Christian education, the biblical mandate. The mandate for Christians to educate can be done in two ways. First, homeschooling, which is my personal choice, where the mother and father are responsible for the training of their own children. Second, private education, where parents consolidate their duties and establish a private school, Christian school, being responsible for the operation and holding accountable the administration and the teachers. The biblical basis for Christian education is found in the teaching of Scripture itself. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Following the principles of God's Word, leads us to be prosperous. It leads us to success. Not success in the mentality as the world sees it, but in view of how God defines it. The book of the law, the Word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. It should not leave how it ought to govern your life, but must govern it in everything that it does. That's why he says, meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to what is written in it. That's how we become prosperous. We follow the laws of God. That's how we are promised to have good success. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Here we have the command to teach our children, not only the word of God as in some type of devotion, but rather as it applies to every aspect of life. In reality, in a educational world in life view. That the word of God is the truth. And that truth is to be integrated in the understanding of our children 24-7. And we ought to also apply them into every aspect of our understanding of life. That they are to be the testimony of how we live our life as followers of God's Word. We are a people of the book. But to be people of the book, we must not only hide that word within our heart, but we must teach that word to our children. Teach them how the principles of that word apply to every area of their life daily, always putting them to practice 
Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21 says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be fontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates at your days, and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your father to give them, like the days of heaven above the earth. Here we have a restatement of Deuteronomy 6, a second emphasis on the necessity of teaching and training our children in the ways of God, not just in the ways of church, but in the ways that we as creatures created in the image of God are to live our lives out both in church and in state and in society. How to govern our culture, our economics, our political understandings. That is essential to Christianity. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Again, note, whatsoever he does shall prosper. Note the four things set forth in this text of Scripture. First, the Christian is not to receive the teaching or education from the ungodly or sinners or for the scornful. Rather, secondly, the delight of any Christian is the law of the Lord, of whom the Christian meditates day and night upon his word. That is, he is given only to the teaching of the godly to listen to them. That's what we are to do both in our own lives and in the lives of our children, that they will know how to live their lives righteous before God. Third, and then, and only then, will we bear the fruit of righteousness in season. And fourth, whatever we do shall prosper. We're also told in Proverbs 4, 14 through 15, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Here is an admonition to avoid the public educational system, if there ever was one. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Those who reject God's law and word. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on that path. Turn away from it. Pass on. Move on away from it. Proverbs 13.20 He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The principle here is clear. If you take part in the ways of the fools, being educated according to the principles of this wicked world, you will receive destruction. However, partaking of the education of the wise, the education that comes only from the Word of God and His law, 
as it applies to every aspect of our life makes one wise, rational, restrained, and lawful. Colossians 1, 15-18 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, referring to Christ. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Here we have the teleological principle of creation. That is, the purpose and the meaning of the universe are only understood in light of the person of Jesus Christ. How does that figure into public education? I don't think your child could get an answer from the teacher and most likely would be suspended from school from even asking a question. But note something. Here's the foundation to understanding that we are in a contest. The Christ is more powerful than dominions or principalities or powers in this world. Because all things were created by Him and for Him and through Him. We are in a struggle. We are in cultural war with other contending religious philosophies. And all cultural perspectives are religious. And we'll talk about that more in a future presentation. Colossians 2, 1-10 For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Here the Apostle says to us, we must know our faith. Our faith is based upon Christ, Jesus our Lord, who is revealed to us through Scripture. We are to search that Scripture, be rooted and built up in Christ. That's what he means by being established in the faith, in the truth of the Word of God, as Christ is presented in that truth, not an existential Christ 
Not a Christ that is made up according to someone's desires, but the Christ as he has been portrayed in the propositional truths of the Word of God. But he warns us, beware, lest anyone would cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not being taught the philosophy taught by Christ. How can you allow your children to go into an educational system that from its inception has been intent, as Horace Mann said, to remove the coils of the serpent from around the necks of our children, that serpent being Christianity? How can you put your children in those systems of education that are clearly antithetical to Christ and to the Word of God. The Apostle Paul says otherwise. Proverbs 1, 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Here we have God's basic view of what is and is not education. True wisdom is the duty of the parents in giving the instruction to their children. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In order to have true wisdom, one must understand the Creator God in all His glory and splendor. How does that fit into the public educational system today? Not to mention that knowledge of the Holy One of Christ is understanding. We can't even mention God or Jesus Christ in the public educational system today. But that goes against the direction of God's Word. It goes against the basic teaching of it. Psalm 143, 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hand. Here we have the principle that all of life is the work of God's creation. And only in that context can the truth and the purpose of God in the scientific examination of the universe rightfully be understood. We cannot interpret the world apart from the Word of God. The Word of God is our main textbook about our history, our meaning, our purpose, and all scientific examination of this universe can only be rightfully understood in light of God who hath created it and of His Son through whom all things consist for Him and unto Him and for His glory that He may have preeminence in all those things. Romans 14.23 says, For whatever is not from faith is sin. Faith requires us to believe what is taught. How can a child of a Christian be told to listen to the teaching of a teacher who is an atheist or at best nominally a Christian, but in reality, nothing? Religious, but without Christ. Religious, but professing the faith of another worldly system. Whether humanism in its basic form or any other, religious faith. 
1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, the education of our children is included in this exhortation. Whatsoever you do, do it to the glory of God. How can that be done in public education? In an educational system that hates the God of the Bible, that hates Christianity, that hates the Christ, who is the Redeemer, the only Redeemer, and who will come and be the final judge of all men, according to the law of God, as found in His Word. Frank E. Gabelin has written, quote, The wealth of educational material contained in the Bible requires formulation. Just as Scripture presents no organized doctrinal system, but rather the inspired data out of which theology is constructed, so with Christian education. The data are there in the Scripture. The obligation is for us to derive from them a Christian view of teaching and learning. Ours is the religion of the book, and nothing short of a philosophy centered in biblical truth has a right to the name Christian. There is, however, a vast difference between education, in which devotional exercises and the study of Scripture have a place, and education in which the Christianity of the Bible is the matrix of the whole program, or, to change the figure, the bed in which the river of teaching and learning flows. For without a Christian philosophy, our Protestant education cannot but lack wholeness in God. He goes on to state, Certain truths plainly set forth in Scripture constitute the framework of our Christian worldview. The living God, creator of all things, source of all being, sovereign of the universe, man created in the divine image, an image ruined through sin beyond human power to repair but not beyond God's power to regenerate. The incarnation of the Son of God and His atoning and renewing work through His death and resurrection. The activity of the Holy Spirit in the outcalling of Christ's body, the church, and the consummation of earthly history through the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. These are the spacious context of a Christian philosophy, not only of education, but also of any other area of human knowledge and concern. Such truths as these remain the essential frame of reference for a Christian world and life view." Unquote. That's the foundation of a true Christian education, one that is required to be given to our children. Proverbs 14.34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we dare not forget Psalm 9.17. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations, all the nations, America will be no exception. All the nations that forget God.